Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount, welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our special communion service with all our pastors, Pastor Omar, Pastor Isaac, and Pastor Rob, as they just talk about the gifts that were brought to Jesus. Hey, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then be sure to check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. Enjoy this message. And I want to minister out of the book of Matthew chapter 2. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture. It's really the Christmas story from Matthew's heart and from his perspective. And I believe today there's a lot in this verse. Many times we can read it and we kind of bypass the whole truth here. But I want to make sure tonight as we read this, we, we really get a revelation of what God's trying to say out of Matthew chapter 2, verse number 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, these were the wise men, where is the one who had been born king of the Jews? That we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Why was he disturbed? Because he thought he was the only king. He didn't know there was another king being born. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. He was asking them, what what is this Messiah? When is he supposed to be born? What what do the prophets say? He asked them where the Messiah, and and they said this, in Bethlehem, Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet uh, has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler and will shepherd my people, or my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi and secretly found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. And he sent to them, uh, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. We know that was a lie. That wasn't what he wanted to do. But after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for this Christmas story. Because, Lord, we know it's not a fable. We know it's not just something that was written down. But we know today, God, or tonight, that it's true that Jesus came. God became flesh And Jesus was his name. And Lord, it was prophesied hundreds of years before it happened. And today, 2,700 years later, God, we're here celebrating and understanding that because of Jesus, we're here today. And God, we thank you for the gift in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. We so appreciate all of you. Well, I'm going to have some of our pastors come up. We're going to minister together. I'm going to have Pastor Isaac come up and Pastor Rob. They're going to come up as well. 
And, and we're going to do a little bit of shotgun preaching. Is that all right? Pastor Rob, I did call you up. I don't know what happened. Did you hear? I said, Pastor Isaac. And I said, Pastor Rob, did you guys hear that? I don't know what happened there. <laughs> okay, it's all right. It's all right. And so uh, we're, we're going to minister together. We're going to kind of uh, give you a little bit of shotgun preaching here. I don't know if it'll be shotgun, but uh, I just wanted to kind of have them share a little bit on the story uh, because the Bible said that these these wise men uh, that they called them, these were scholars, these were men of science. Uh, the scripture says that they saw this star. They were also very well educated in astronomy and uh, they saw this star and they knew there was something different in the star. And we can see this. The reason why they, we can see this and understand this is because many scriptures or many prophets beforehand had prophesied about the Messiah being born and where he would be born. In fact, in the book of Numbers, it said that even Balaam, listen to this, this is crazy. Balaam wasn't even a prophet of God. The Bible says he was the sorcerer. But the Spirit of God came on him, and he began to prophesy the things of God. If God can use the donkey, he can use the sorcerer too, right? And, and so the Bible says in Numbers chapter 24, 17, he said, this is what Balaam says. He said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel, and he will crush the foreheads of Moab and the skulls. So, so the Bible is talking about this star coming out, and this is really was the announcement of Christ, if you read that whole chapter. Even later on, Daniel talks about uh, this, uh, the, uh, the Messiah being born, and there would be a Christ through, the, uh, um, through angel, the messenger of God. And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25, it says, No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem into the anointed one, Talking about Christ, the ruler come, there will be seven and 62 seven. So the Bible is talking about this anointed one is going to come, and basically he's going to be the one that's going to bring restoration. Now, I kind of want to focus a little bit before we get into the wise men about the star. I think a, a couple of days ago, there was an alignment of the stars, right, or the planets, right, Saturn and, and Jupiter, and they said that. This, it, this is re, reminds them of the star of Bethlehem, and uh, it's also called the Bethlehem star. And they look at this sighting and say, this is probably what took place that day. And I'm not saying it was or wasn't. I, I, I wasn't there. I can't tell you. Uh, but whatever it was, they said that sometime when it depends where you're at in the world, that when you see Saturn and when you see Jupiter, uh, they're so close that it looks like one big star and of course if you're in LA you see a lot of smog but there in the in the east you can actually see the stuff here people say go out and look I go I see nothing uh, but smog <laughs> I see like a little spectrum you know like a I don't know I, I can't even tell you it, it looks so foggy I can barely see it anyway uh, they also said that maybe it was the comet I don't know if you guys remember Haley's comet and it said you know like the tail of the comet and kind of pointed where Jesus was at, was at, and they also kind of go to the supernova. Maybe it was an explosion of a star, and therefore uh, they kind of did all that. But I'm, uh, you know, again, I don't know if any of these things have anything to do uh, with the star that the 
wise men saw, I know this, that God had a fish swallow Jonah. So if he can create a, a fish that can swallow a man, he can make a star go wherever he wants it to go. God is a supernatural God. God is a God of miracles. So could it be that that star just happened to be that night? And what's interesting is the Bible said it was the wise men that saw this star. It doesn't really indicate that everybody saw it. It just said that these wise men were able to see this star. And here's where it gets interesting because they come and they know through the prophetic word that this baby that was being born was not just any regular baby, uh, but it was to be the king and he was to be the Messiah. And the Bible said they brought gifts and we're going to focus on that tonight, that they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, here's what I want to say before we get into it, that whenever there was a king, whenever someone came to honor a king, throughout Scripture, the Bible said that they would bring an offering or they would bring gifts or valuable gifts. When Hezekiah became the king in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 32, uh, the scripture said that people came and they brought gifts to Hezekiah as being pronounced the new king. So it was not strange when a king was born that they would bring gifts. And yet uh, Jesus was born in a manger. He was born in a stable where animals were at. He was not in the typical place a new king would be announced. But yet these wise men were wise enough to know that this was the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that he was the Messiah. And the scripture said they brought him gifts and they presented it to him. They understood that he was to be the ruler of the nation. And so we want to focus on these three gifts tonight. Before we take communion, well, we want to focus on the what did these gifts represent? What did they mean? Why, why did they choose gold? Why did they choose frankincense? And why did they choose myrrh? So let's give Pastor Isaac a big hand as he comes up tonight. Thank you, Pastor Omar. I'll tell you, I, I, I do feel uh, very privileged and honored to be able to minister tonight uh, in our Christmas season. And uh, I'm just excited about this thought. I, I, I have just a few minutes, and so I'm going to just dive right into this. Um, so, uh, Pastor Omar read the scripture, but uh, I'm going to read it again just for context for what I'm going to be sharing on. I'll be talking about gold and the symbolism behind it. Matthew 2, 2 says this, where is the newborn king of the Jews? And so this is the wise men making this proclamation of God, of, of Jesus's kingship, uh, as they, as they arrive on site, goes on to say, we saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. Now I want you to consider this. As the wise men, it says that the wise men traveled from a far distance. And I wonder as they were traveling what they were thinking, what their expectation was, what was the scene that they had envisioned in their mind as they come to find this king of the Jews. Uh, I'd imagine uh, if that was me and I was going to see the king, I would imagine that there would be this great procession, that there would be, uh, there would be a throne, there would be uh, uh, well-dressed people, there would be maybe a buffet of food and, and all of these things that are kingly. Uh, now we understand that the, the Magi or the wise men walked into a stable and found uh, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Savior of the world, in a manger. And in that moment, I wonder this. What they had perceived in their mind, what the King of the Jews was going to look like. 
And as they stepped into this situation where it was absolutely not anything like they thought, maybe they would have thought in that moment, I think we missed it. Can this really be that the king of the Jews would be born to this poor family? And I, as I think about that, it, it says that it says that they didn't ask not one question. They didn't inquire, hey, uh, uh, is this right? Did we get this right? They didn't go back and check their instructions. They didn't check GPS. What they did was they presented their gifts and began to worship him. And I think about this maybe tonight for some of us. Maybe there's a situation that you're, sta- that you're sitting in right now or that you're walking through right now. And God is there. I'm here to tell you that God is with us. God is there. And in your situation, you can't identify the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords. It just doesn't look right. And I want to challenge you this or tonight, and I want to maybe encourage you that we would be like the wise men. And in spite of what it looks like, that we would bow down and we would worship the King of Kings. So this carpenter's family, uh, uh, so you have uh, Joseph and Mary. And uh, we know that Joseph was a carpenter. We know that Mary, uh, you know, they, they came from humble beginnings. And so here's these, these men of great prestige that come and bestow this gift or these gifts. And we know that it was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And uh, just so we understand for context again that the extravagance of these gifts, understand this, uh, this is something I never considered, that Joseph was a carpenter. He was a blue-collar worker. And, uh, and, and even if they were to come from a wealthy bl- a bloodline or a wealthy family, these gifts were extravagant even in that sense. And so understanding this, that as they presented the gold, I would imagine Joseph looking at that gold, and I'll tell you, it's highly likely that it was the first time that Joseph had ever seen gold in his life. Think about that. He was a, he was a common man. He was a worker. Uh, he was paid in denarius, if you understand uh, the, the, the money, the money system at that time, denarius or even silver, but never, he would have never seen gold. And yet here these wise men are bestowing this gold on him. See, gold is a precious metal. It's, it's, it's fit for a king. It's fit for a king. And so uh, the Bible doesn't tell us uh, uh, any other significance of these three gifts um, uh, the, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and, and even something else I considered was this, was uh, the Bible never talks about how, that, how those gifts were ever used. Now, we could assume that uh, it was used for the trip. We understand that from Bethlehem that they went to Egypt, and, and maybe it was used for that trip, but it, it never tells us, it never details whatever happened with that gift. I'm, I'm, here, uh, I'm here to suggest this, that it has nothing to do with the gift in which the wise men brought him. It had everything to do with who he was, who Christ was, and who the Savior of the world was. The other stuff didn't matter. And so oftentimes we're worried about, you know, uh, what can we give or what can we receive or, or what can we receive or the significance of what we have in our hands. And I'm telling you that if you have Jesus, you have all that you have. You have all that you need. And so it was customary, it was customary in those times that if you were to come uh, before a great man of honor, or a king that you would bestow these gifts, and uh, um, uh, in that time, uh, gold was gold was uh, a a, a, um, a part of wealth, and uh, and it was really a part of their their wealth system or their economy. And I was thinking about that. I was thinking about anybody ever heard of the gold standard? Maybe some of us, right? So in our economy today, 
Uh, we use paper. It's called the FIAT system. Uh, I, I'm not an economist. I'm not going to go deep there. But the gold standard is a great system. And, and really, the gold standard, what it did was it brought stability and it brought protection. And so I thought about this because they used gold in the ancient times. And, for, and we used it until I think it was like the 1930s. But anyways, uh, the, gold was, the gold standard was, was something that brought stability and brought protection. Now, what do you mean by stability? Well, it was a third party that, that assigned the value of what, uh, of what you had. So what you had is, is what, you, what, what you were able to spend. It was the value. It summed up everything. The protection of it was this, is that it, it fought against injustice. And so there, it, if you had the gold standard in your economy, uh, you, you would never, uh, it would protect you from inflation, which is injustice. Uh, there, it would not deviate up and down. What you had in your hand is what it was worth. Think about that. And so we, we understand that, uh, um, and so with, with that context, understanding that, we understand that it's appropriate that the, gift, that the gift that was bestowed to Christ, this baby, was gold. And gold was presented to Jesus. And when it was presented to Jesus, it acknowledged, listen to this, it acknowledged his right to rule. Isaiah 9, 7 says, His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for how long? For all eternity and so by bringing the gift of gold, the wise men showed that they indeed considered Jesus a king. Now, I'm going to go through this real quick. Gold in the Bible is symbolic of God, and it represents the most precious of metals and is extremely rare in its purest form. Think about this in the tabernacle. The tabernacle, if you read through the tabernacle, you understand that everything basically was adorned by gold. As I, thought, as I thought about that, I, I realized this, that even in the Holy of Holies, there was gold. The Ark of the Covenant was adorned in gold. Now, why was that? The Ark of the Covenant carried the presence of God. That's what, that, that's what that, that's, uh, that, that's, they esteemed it. It was in the Holy of Holies. It, it carried the presence of God. And I think about that, and I think potentially or possibly it was foreshadowing Emmanuel. Right? The Ark of the Covenant adorned with, with gold, and here... This, this scene in Bethlehem where this gold is being presented to the, to the Savior of the world, to this baby. And the gold is symbolic of God. And so I believe that potentially the wise men had made this connection in their mind. And they were declaring or even prophesying to all the world that this was God incarnate. That this was the presence of God. That this was Emmanuel. The last thing, Jesus was king, the, 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 the king of kings and the Lord of lords, this baby. And not only was it proclaimed by the wise men, but it was prophesied before that. And even during his life, he was time and time again as, uh, ascribed as a king. We, we see this, uh, Jesus proclaims himself king uh, to Pilate in Matthew 27, 11. It says, now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, and he says, are you the king of the Jews? Uh, the governor asked him, and Jesus replied, you have said it. So he's, he's, he's confirming to Pilate. Uh, another portion of scripture, we know this, John 12, uh, 12 to 13. It says, the next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. And they shouted, 
Praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Lastly, Pilate proclaimed Jesus was king three times. Uh, John 18, 39, uh, I, I just read, I, I just read uh, that, that scripture to you out of Matthew. Uh, but he, he questions, he posed the question, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus says, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the king. John 19, 14, uh, as Pilate presents Jesus to, uh, uh, to the crowd, he says, uh, he says, look, behold, here is your king, making a proclamation and really prophesying these things to him. And then lastly, John 19, 19, it says that Pilate posted a sign on the cross that read Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And so this, this gift, this gold, was proclaiming the kingship of Jesus. And so Jesus spoke 60 times in the kingdom of God, or of the kingdom of God during his earthly ministry, that, uh, that kingdom is here on earth and is found in each and every one of our hearts, all of us that belong to Jesus. And Jesus is our king, and he rules and reigns in each and every one of our hearts. I want to pray this. I, I, I want to pray tonight. If you would just bow your head. Father, we thank you, Lord. And Father, as the prophets, God, prophesied about this king that would come and establish his dominion. Father, even as the wise men came and proclaimed and foreshadowed and prophesied, God, of your kingship. Lord, I, tonight we declare and we prophesy of your kingship of our hearts and our lives. Father, I thank you, Lord, for who you are. I thank you, God. I pray, Lord, that we would have a revelation, Father, that we would surrender ourselves, our own ideas, our own thoughts, Father, and that we would surrender them to the supremacy of who you are. Father, we thank you, God, for your dominion. We thank you, God, for your authority. And we honor you as king of our hearts and king of this church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you, Pastor Isaac. That was awesome, breaking down the gold and, and kingship of Jesus. I'm going to break down a little bit about frankincense. Now, in hindsight, you probably look at this word, and it sounds a lot like Frankenstein, right? But frankincense, you're probably like, what is that, Pastor Rob? What is frankincense? Well, frankincense, it was a very expensive spice. And during this time, it was very difficult to obtain. It was found in three regions, Arabia, Northern Africa, and India. If you know anything about geography, you'd know that that'd be very difficult to obtain considering where Bethlehem was on a map. In other words, it had to be caravaned in, imported almost, and, and it was very difficult to find. But the one of the wise men bring this frankincense. And, and you're probably wondering, why would they bring that? Well, fragrance, frankincense is a fragrance. It releases this aroma. It's a spice that has an oil that when it's burnt, it begins to fill the atmosphere with a great and powerful smell. We see it used in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, it's commanded to be used in the tabernacle, as, as Pastor Isaac was talking about. In Exodus chapter 30, Verse 34, I'm going to read this large portion of scripture. I'll go quick. It says, gather fragrant spices, resin droplets, mollusk shell, and galbanum, and mix this fragrant spices with pure frankincense weighed out on equal amounts. 
using the usual techniques of the incense maker. Blend the spices together, sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy incense. Grind some of the mixture into a very fine powder and put it, I want you to catch this, put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. Never use the formula to make this incense for yourselves. It is reserved for the Lord and you must treat it as holy. Now, I would imagine if we had the opportunity to walk into this tabernacle and as this incense is burning, you would see nothing but gold surrounding you, as Pastor Isaac uh, broke down for us, but you would begin to smell this aroma at the same time. This fragrance that was extremely valuable is an offering. And it was an offering when they brought it to Jesus, amen? Now, when they presented it to Jesus, I'm wondering, why would they do that? Well, if you begin to study this, they did it because it was, it was commanded to do in front of the Ark of the Covenant, which held the presence of God. So when they begin to bring this to Jesus, it was simple. They were honoring his deity. They were recognizing not only is he a king, but he's a king of kings. He is God. He's not just a king. He is the creator of the earth. He is God himself. And so when they brought it to him, just as they brought it in front of the Ark of the Covenant, they brought it to him knowing that it was a form of worship. It was an offering. It was a form of worship. The Bible says that they began to worship. And I think about it. Well, why would they bring that? Well, they knew that there was going to be an eternal sacrifice Therefore, there needs to be an eternal offering. And so they bring this as a sense of peace. We see this again, this fragrance, right? We see, why, 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 why does it have to be a fragrance? Why does it have to be an aroma? Well, we see this happen time and time again. Even in John chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I don't know about you, but when you smell something good, sometimes it brings a peace over you. You have anxiety or you, or, or, you, know, you want to smell something good or, or you know, even our sense of smell can trigger an image in our mind. You know, it, could, it can trigger a memory or something specific. It could remind you of somebody. In Ephesians chapter five, verse one through two, it says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In other words, it was pleasing. The sacrifice of Jesus was a fragrant offering. It was pleasing to God. See, an aroma can calm nerves. So when they were bringing it, they were bringing a sense of peace to the Prince of Peace, amen? They were, they were preparing for an eternal atmosphere of worship when he was born, when they began to bring these things to him. So it was more than a spice. It was a form of worshiping our creator. It was a form of us actually thinking about his goodness, thinking about his peace. 
and the sacrifice for peace to honor the Prince of Peace, amen? So right now, I just wanna pray and just honor God's deity. If you would just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your deity. We thank you that you're on the throne, Lord. We thank you that you remain faithful to us, that you are the King of kings, Lord, and that we can come to you for anything, Father. We can put any circumstance in front of you. But more importantly, Lord, we recognize you as the Savior of this world, as, as the creator of this world. We thank you, Jesus, that you died for us, Lord. And we worship you, and we will continue to worship you throughout this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount, or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.